Well, hey guys, uh, welcome to Minefields. Uh, this is Joshua Michael here. I've got Andy Belanger right here. Uh, this is an honor, man. Uh, Bob the Animal. Yeah, hey, how's it going? What's going down? Oh, not much, man. We're just happy to get you on the show. Uh, we want to talk about some wrestling. We want to talk about TKO Comics, Pound for Pound. I definitely want to, I've got some follow-up questions on Southern Cross I need answered. <laughs> sure, yeah, sure. But, but uh, yeah, tell us, uh, how'd you get started in comics, man? Well, I mean, it's it's one of those things that like you you start when you're super young. Like I think I was making comics when I was like five and six, and it was it kind of stuck with me my entire life. That was one of those people that had a singular driving goal, and mine was to make comics book uh, for a living. Even when I was like that age, so even like ten, eleven, twelve, it's like all I wanted to do. I collected comics like crazy and um i always went to the comic shops in my hometown and you know secondhand bookstores and yeah i just couldn't get enough of uh comics so i was like uh obsessed with it i always like needed to be the best one at drawing in my schools and all that kind of stuff so it was pretty competitive and you know that's how it all started and i mean uh, my first break in comics was with uh i mean i was self-publishing a little bit beforehand but um i joined the raid studios um in toronto which uh is is over the years has been made up of some of the, like the biggest names in comics you can think of like cameron stewart ramon perez scott hepburn chip zadarsky kagan mcleod uh, Francis Manipal, Marcus Toe, I mean, the the people that have been, Kerry Nord was in there, and people that have been in and out of that stu- studio are sort of like gigantic. Carl Kirchfield was in there, who I share a studio with in Montreal. Um, yeah, it was uh, that's where I started, but my first break was with uh, DC Comics, which uh, like was had already bought Wildstorm, and I was doing Friday the 13th. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, that was sort of my first big break in comic books where I got something published. Um, that was by a big company and, um, you know, it's been, uh, trials and tribulations and, you know, I've worked for, you know, Scott Snyder on Swamp Thing and, uh, worked with Image and yeah, it's been, uh, it's been super fun. What was it like working with Clunin? Um, Clunin was my, um, sort of like ex-girlfriend, ex-fiance. And, uh, when it actually came to like talking about story stuff and working and all the rest of that stuff, it was fantastic. No, that uh, Southern Cross was uh, definitely one of my favorite comics that have come out in the last maybe six years. The art was phenomenal, especially when I would look at your splash pages. Splash pages, uh, like like that. There was one where there was pretty much just like a giant tank or a ship, and I'm like, God damn, how many hours did that take? Like two, three days. It had to have been on on a sub couple of the of the splash pages. But uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it, man. Uh, thanks for getting that out for us. Um, what were some of the um, comics that you started out with as a kid that really hooked you for me it was spawn oh when i was a kid um the stuff that uh i probably predate you by a decade at least um the stuff i was super into as a kid were um my first love was anything that was monster comics so uh my first sort of foray into comics was uh, a dc book called creature commandos and Creature Commandos was basically like the Wolfman, Dracula, um, Frankenstein, and a Medusa lady. And they uh, they would take on Nazis. And they would awesome. fight Nazis in Nazi Germany. That was sort of like my favorite comic as a kid. And that was always paired up with another comic they produced called Weird War Tales that starred a, a character called G.I. Robot, which I think was basically the inspiration for G.I. Joe's The Bat. 
Do you remember the Bats guys? They were like robot Absolutely. dudes. Um, awesome toy. It used to come with all these different parts and stuff. But anyway, GI Robot was would always hook up with the creature commandos, and they would go hunt Nazis and stuff. And uh, that was always really fun. And then from there, I got into Tomb of Dracula and John Buscemi's Frankenstein and Werewolf by Night and basically any of the horror comics that uh, uh, Marvel and DC had put out in the 60s and 70s, I was obsessed with. And then I was also obsessed with uh, EC horror comics. I was like absolutely like obsessed with that. And uh, a lot of my early work was very, very Jack Davis. And um, it was funny. I remember going to like a uh, lecture one time with, with, uh, with uh, Becky Cloonan to uh, SVA. And they had a, a whole host of like modern comic creators. And I remember asking like how many of them that were doing horror comics at the time for Marvel and DC. And I remember asking if any of them had read EC horror comics and none of them had. I remember thinking disappointing. That, that, yeah, I thought it was just wild that, you know, people don't know the history behind, um, you know, the comics that, that we're making. So when people saw my, my Friday the 13th, they were like, why is it all cartoony? And it's like, uh, cartoony. Um, what are you talking well, about? Well, have you seen Yeah, what are you talking about? You mean like it looks like Jack Davis or like, you know, any of those guys? It was, uh, I was like, well, you clearly haven't seen a horror comic from this, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, you know, half a decade or half a century of scary comics that i was just like super into like all the the creepies and the eeries and all that stuff i was obsessed with i prefer that was uh, that was my my jam i mean when i was sorry go ahead uh, i preferred creepy and eerie there, there was something different about them i, I mean tells in the crypt were, were good or, or vault of horror those were all a lot of fun but there was something special about creepy to me like the the, the way that cracked magazine was something different from mad you know what i'm saying Oh yeah, completely. And I mean, at the time that Creepy came out, those first, that first sort of like volume or two of Creepy, you had like the heavy hitters of of illustration at that time. You know, like Frazetta was working on Creepy number one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, it was just a, it was just amazing, amazing stuff. So I was always like really into those comics. Uh, like as far as it, it's really funny, but like I was never drawn to superhero comics. I would have the odd Batman, and then when I was like sort of under the age of thirteen, I collected Bagley's Spider-Man, and I collected um, X-Men and anything with Wolverine. I would get into the Image days, and then when Image started, I remember getting all the original first sort of books that image put out but then lost interest and became obsessed with heavy metal magazine and then from the time i was 13 up until i was about 26 the only comics i ever read were um heavy metal magazine and then i would hunt down the the european bay days out of those out of those uh heavy metal comics like your moneras serpieris belial you know mobius obviously like i was just obsessed with um those guys and uh when i got into the raid studios and started back you know really working on becoming a professional comic book artist for you know a living i had to go back and read frank miller and alan moore and atomo and mangas and superhero comics like year one killing joke like i'd never read any of that stuff because i was so i just didn't dig the art in american comics i thought it was all lame compared to guys like mobius and serpieri and Manera. i was like they're not in the same league but then you find out the volume amount that american creators put out compared to european which is you know, I'll put out 200 pages a year, whereas like a European artist will put out less than 50. That's a big difference. Is it just a work ethic thing or is it just that's just how it is here or in Canada or the States as opposed to across the pond? Yeah, that's just it's just two different markets. It's just how it works. They're just it's totally different. I mean, European comics are, are you know, for the most part, full background. They're painted a lot of the time. And yeah, the the anatomy and and perspective are all a lot better. Um, I try to put backgrounds in all of my comics, as you saw, in, in like Southern Cross and stuff. But sometimes it takes me a long time to do that stuff, and that's why those guys took a long time. 
Back in the early uh, 2010s, uh, well, still 2010s, but did you ever check out any of uh, Radical Comics stuff like Abattoir or Driver for the Dead? Those are some really good horror comics, the ones that stick out in my head that have happened in the last maybe 8, 10 years. Um, Darren Lynn Bousman did Abattoir, and they made a really shitty movie about it. Uh, did, did not in any way translate. Driver for the Dead, a lot of great digital paintings. Um Trying to think of all the best horror I've read because that's one that's kind of my forte as well. I'm glad you brought it up because it definitely translates. In yeah, the, no. Yeah, it it definitely translates. Oops, sorry, brother. Yeah, I don't know those ones. That sounds really cool. Uh, I'll have to check it out after the thing. Like, send me a a thing so I can hunt them down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, wanted to talk to you about what's going on with TKO Comics. How'd you get involved with them? Oh. um... Well, it was about a, a year and a half ago. I was I was working on, on um, Southern Cross, and uh, they Southern Cross was uh, sort of uh, going into a hiatus, and they had, had called me, and um, sort of like uh, we we went back and forth on whether we were going to work together and do something that would be, you know, uh, a project that they wanted done, or whether I was going to do one of my projects, and I thought, you know. Uh, these guys are like sort of fresh out of the gate and if they want me to do sort of like a, an art art gig on uh, something that they would like done with a writer, then I'm totally down with that. And um, that's how it all started. Uh, I, I liked the first script. I thought it was really cool. Um, the the actor Danny was really, really interesting. And, um, you know, the, the script was just great. I really liked the script. It was, uh, you know, it was really sort of like... Uh, um, John Milliusy, uh, like I, for lack of a better word, I, I talked to um, the writer after it was all done. She called me to say thanks and everything, and I was like, every time I got one of her scripts, it was like reading John Milius on a whole pile of cocaine. I was like, <laughs> it was just so hardcore, and it's a um, sort of like in the way it was written, and I, I, I really thought it was cool. So uh, you know, that's how that all started. Um, you know, and when you when you get in with a new company, you're always like wondering what what's going on, how, how are they going to do it? And I have to say, TKO has been probably my favorite experience working in comics. Um, my editor Sebastian is not only like hands on, but he's like very fun to talk to and has great ideas. And um, I think it's one of the first times I worked with an editor that was was like that. You know, I'd like to have him on all my books. He was fantastic. I'm and uh, Z, who runs the company, is just a, a really, really cool guy. He, like, you know, does a lot of writing for movies and television. And um, he started this company, and they they just have been straight shooters and enthusiastic. And I think their plans for you know moving forward are fantastic. And I think they have their their head in the the right spot. They treat creators better than I've ever been treated in comics. I was uh, describing TKO Comics to uh, a buddy of mine at work the other day because he's really into comics as well. And I realized I was kind of describing the AEW of comics right now. Uh, comic books written by comic creators for comic people, especially just if you're talking about the format. And guys, if you are, are unfamiliar with TKO Comics, last year they released uh, uh, four six-issue uh, six sets. You can get them in... Pretty much any format, digital. You can get them in a nice slip-bound individual issue. You can buy the the uh, trade paperback if you want, and it's you you can pick or choose. I love the fact that it's large format, not really golden age, but just a little bit bigger. And the presentation is exquisite. The way the way I think about AEW, like everything is just for us by us, and I see the the group of writers that they're working with. Like the same way I'd think about that roster. I mean, you, you had Mark Millar. You have, well, you. You've got uh, Jeff Lemire. I mean, Jeff Lemire is one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think uh, they're, they're doing everything right. It's really, really cool. Um, the presentation was amazing. Like, when I got the trade, I was, like, excited. It was, it was cool. It's oversized, and I dig it, but it was a trade. But when I got the box sets... In it with the comics inside the box sets, and I got to see all my covers on actual issues, but it all comes together like a as a package. I was I was pretty blown away by that. That that's like a really really cool uh, presentation. I think is the the issues in the box. I thought that was really really cool. 
How much uh, input did you have on the story with uh, written by Natalie Chedez? Is that did I saying that correctly? We always butcher people. Yeah, names. I think so. Yeah, Chedez. Yeah, um, not that much actually. I, I didn't work on the the script. The scripts were all her, and um, they were all sort of like done ahead of time for the most part. I mean, I'd be working on an issue, and she was sort of two issues ahead all the time. So. Um, uh, you know, I didn't have a lot of chance for input, nor did I, I think I needed it. It was everything I needed was there. Um, I had like a little few things that I asked about here and there, but for the most part, it was, it was all there. You know, I just, uh, went at it, uh, you know, as, as an artist. Have you met her or has this all been over the internet and Skype videos? Yeah, mostly internet and Skype videos and phone calls. I've, I've talked to her if the first one it's funny when we first started the the project i remember phoning her and she'd be like okay i'm just on set i just have to like take a break and come off set for a second and then we can talk and, I, and i'd be like uh it's not that important <laughs> you know? gotcha. i'm gonna ask you what the, what the cop should be wearing like it's not that important you can you can wait until you you know you're done shooting or whatever and i remember thinking that was really funny that she thought it was like i mean it's important but like she she took what i, I was doing and my time very seriously so i thought that was like super super cool yeah and she's she's really she's really awesome yeah she was fun to talk to i feel like she wrote to your strengths because when you're talking about your love for heavy metal there are some scenes in this that are obviously i mean this guy this guy probably reads a lot of heavy metal. Not that I'd say you borrowed from anything. What I'm saying is the, the way you presented it, like the the scene where the um, our heroes are going in to stop the these cartel guys that are just finishing up a meeting to have a uh, uh, a little bit of a uh, extracurricular party, and those the way you laid it out, it wasn't lurid, but it was just enough, just enough to catch that little bit of what you guys were trying to really like. Uh, present in terms of the the scene and it was necessary as opposed to like yeah this is you know here's some naked ladies or something like that it was that's I, I appreciated that quite a lot especially uh in the covers as well they're dynamic i love the fact that i look at the cover and know that this is this is going to happen in the scene in in the in the book as opposed to something overly exaggerated like in this issue somebody dies and that doesn't really happen but no you're you you pictured everything perfectly. I love the way that the uh, issue number four in the desert, and you know that okay, there's there's a cult thing about to happen, which I didn't even see coming right away. And uh, way to way to storytell. I'm I'm going a little bit too off on what I what I appreciate of the story. I don't want you to think I'm too much of that much of a fanboy, even though I am. Um, but she really wrote to your strengths. Like, did she research you at all? Did she handpick you? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, Z thought, I remember Z and Sebastian thinking I was really perfect for it. Um, after, and what was weird is like after Southern Cross. So I know that Z and Sebastian were big fans of Southern Cross. So for some, and what, what's funny is they put out a book at the same time called Sentient, which was, you know, uh, when I started seeing the artwork, I was like, uh, oh, this reminds me of like Belial or something I would do, but I'm doing the fight book <laughs> instead right. of the sci-fi one. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really funny. Um, but no, I think they, they kind of like thought I'd be perfect for it. And um, it was actually very challenging for me because um, a lot of times when I was working on it, I felt like I was out of my wheelhouse because my strengths in, in comics, I think, are when I get to create the world that I'm working on and yes i did create the world that's in pound for pound but also i kind of didn't you know it's like already pre-established you know places sort of thing and i'm always like very aware of trying to make the my background a, a main character so i'm always really trying to like use background as a as a storytelling device and sometimes it was great sometimes it wasn't but um you know, I found that very challenging for me. It's it's not something I think I would normally do. So um, I'm glad it kind of turned out um, the way it did. I think it's uh, some of the some of the scenes, like the scene where the uh, one of the bad guys has like his upbringing in in uh, Mexico. I think it's in issue six, the first 
six pages, it was like, can you tell a story about this sort of like frumpy, overweight kid who gets bullied, um, you know, and thrown in a pig pen for seven pages? And you're like, how am I going to make that interesting? And actually, I think it's probably one of the strongest scenes in the that I drew as far as my storytelling goes in, in art. I think that was like one of the strongest ones I did in the comic. Um, and I remember thinking when I was working on it, like, how am I going to make this interesting? Like, this is going to be difficult. Was so, the, I mean, there were challenges. Yeah. Were the fight scenes difficult? I imagine that being an indie wrestler that you can imagine them pretty well from being that, you know, from a POV uh, point of view, my buddy that's working on the wrestling comic we're making right now, like that's kind of the, one of the things we slave over is how to make the action flow without using too many panels. And, you know, like when you're trying to like, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about here. Like how how many panels would you think it would take to draw a pop-up power bomb? Oh, well, I mean, I did that with Kevin Owens in uh, my WWE books. Precisely and, uh, what I'm the, asking. The pop-up powerbomb is really hard because it's kind of like it's it's four or five panels, right? And you, you don't have four or five panels for a pop-up powerbomb. So what is a snapshot of the pop-up powerbomb that is the most uh, sort of like poignant as far as the action? And the funniest part is it's sort of like right before he hits the ground when he's about three feet off the air, but the other guy's face is in his crotch. <laughs> right. I was like, that's pretty much the most dynamic looking shot of a pop-up power bomb you can get is right before he hits. But it just so happens that the other guy's face is right in his crotch. <laughs> it's kind of like the tombstone is the most unflattering move to like draw. When I had to draw Undertaker in the, in the tombstone, it's like, yeah, it's just his eyes coming above the guy's taint. <laughs> <laughs> Taint vision. I love it. So, I mean, the tombstone and the pop up power bomb are not necessarily the most flattering things to draw, but they're cool, you know? Yeah. The, the, um, the reason I also bring it up is because you really animated those scenes quite well uh, with a short amount of space. That's something very challenging. Uh, well, I mean, as, as far as fight scenes, I mean, being a pro wrestler, you know, and I, I spent a lot of my life taking kung fu you know, uh, getting the chance to do fight scenes in comics is like my favorite thing because, you know, I actually have like practical knowledge of, you know, uh, uh, fight scenes and grappling and all the rest of that stuff. So, um, that part was really exciting for me, um, to, to, you know, take those snapshots in my head of the most poignant parts of a, of a kick or a most poignant parts of like a, a throw there's a, a scene in the scene you were talking about in the desert where they're at night where they're fighting those guys and it's i think a bunch of it it's just a series of like judo throws like and i i just thought you know then those bad guys being in cloaks and robes it looked really great if they were like kind of like flying around the scenes you know what i mean being thrown and kicked and you know with lots of movement that was sort of like my my idea of what, what that would sort of look like Whose idea was it to make it look like Danny Trejo? Oh, that was mine. I love. I just it. really wanted to. I just really wanted to draw Danny Trejo. I love that. I name. mean, essentially, I think every character besides the big dude that's her her dad her dad sort of character um, is meant to be uh, Latino or Mexican. And I remember, like, uh, they she kept saying that she wished everyone looked a little more or more Latino. And I was trying. <laughs> yeah, I did my best. <laughs> no, I, th- I think you pulled it off. I, I from, <laughs> from what I was reading, the, the little things that she'd interject, like, for example, there's some slang terms in Spanish that if you don't know what they are, you just don't know what they are. You can translate it, but it won't make sense to you because the translation isn't literally what they're trying to say. So I was thinking that she was Latina herself, uh, or, or or had like a strong upbringing in it because I'm I'm Mexican. So in my opinion, like I thought everything was great. Like I seeing brown people like that kick some ass. Uh, a story that is based in Mexico that isn't about like filth and and you know something. Yeah, this was a kind of a tragic story in the beginning, but it didn't. I didn't feel like I was being pandered to. So. 
if you were worried about that, uh, as what a, a Mexican American would think, uh, I thought it was great. No, I was just worried that I didn't draw them well enough. Gotcha. <laughs> That's all I was worried about the whole time. Yeah. Um, uh, just to, to make sure that they, you know, looked a little more Latino is what I kept getting notes on. So, you know, I was working at it. Uh, so it, it's tough. You know what I mean? Like even mm-hmm. when you look at a, a Tomo, you know, when you look at Akira, those characters don't always look Asian. No. And uh, that was sort of like uh, Sebastian's explanation to uh, Natalie. Um, so I was trying to, you know, I was trying. So anyway, I'm glad, I'm glad you, you liked it because, um, yeah, this is basically a book, you know, where, you know, it's, it's stars and it's pretty much, um, just populated with, uh, you know, Latinos and Mexicans. And I thought that was really rad. Um, I think that attracted me to the book too. You know, I was, I was like really into, into doing that and, um, it was awesome. And I love Danny Trejo to death. Like he's so dope. So I just really wanted to draw him his gnarly face. He's got the like gnarliest face. <laughs> it's definitely he's got some character to it yeah now totally. uh one thing i've been wanting to ask you do you or do you not like drawing cars because there is a lot of them in here is that i something? love drawing cars okay just making sure i was wondering because like is this something that they just kept like, okay there's a car here and like oh man i gotta draw another car or or is this something you get excited about no i get excited about drawing cars that are unique um so like if I draw a car or I won't draw every car that they necessarily might tell me because after the 1980s going into the 90s basically every car starts looking like a bar of soap yep right so I won't draw a car that looks like a bar of soap that's why you know the 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 father character is driving a jeep like mine and you know that's why she's drive, driving I mean El Camino was in the script so I knew what El Camino I wanted to draw you know, um, it had to be like a classic sort of El Camino muscle car. And, um, you know, that, that was sort of like my main focus and like all the cars in the town I made a little older and all that kind of stuff. Like cars don't last long in, in, uh, Canada. Right. Like, because we have all the salt on the ground. Right. Um, cars get eaten alive. Yeah. I spent six years in Alaska. I I remember. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I thought maybe it's, it's it's still believable that you know you might get like some classic old hoopties down there and stuff like that. So yeah, I know I love drawing cars. It's like one of my favorite things. I love drawing cars. I like drawing. I don't always like drawing buildings, uh, modern buildings. That's sort of like my my hate. If I ever had to draw Spider Man or like a, a superhero story in a city, that would be my biggest challenge, and that would be what I would tackle first. I would go after buildings. I would, I would like, cause even in, even in pound for pound, I think my buildings are pretty weak, but, um, if I was going into like a, a new book that had a lot of city, I would, I would make sure that by the, you know, first issue, I was the best at drawing buildings and cities. I just don't do it much. Uh, before we, uh, finish talking about the, this particular story, uh, for TKO, where do you think TKO is going? Like I've got a good sense of their purpose. As uh, uh, someone that's in the industry, where do you think that they're going, or, or it, there's a specific destination? Because if in in terms of like actual how many books are in existence in comparison to the fact that there's like God like three Batman new Batman comics a week, it's it's got to be challenging. Yeah, I think they're facing challenges with the fact that it takes a year to put out the four books. You know what I mean? Because they binge them, right? So it's six issues, all done by like one or two artists. They don't have a conveyor belt system like, uh, uh, you know, uh, DC or Marvel. Um, And they're putting out books sort of like, you know, every wave. Like I remember thinking that in in this one I was seriously late. And then when I finished, I found out, you know, I think I was like second finished. And I was like, oh, no way. Um, crazy. Cause I know it took me a long time to get going on it because I had a whole bunch of other contracts when I started TKO, um, to get out of the way with Ubisoft and, and, uh, image and a few other things I was working on. So I didn't get to them right away. I think I started sort of like 
not the summer, the, like the summer before that. So, but I know I was on it for like a, a year. And in that year, I think I worked for heavy metal three or four times as well. Um, you, you did, but, I, um, I have them all. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, um, it was kind of interesting, um, how they, they run. I know, I know what's they're planning moving forward as far as filling sort of like a year. Um, I have a good idea of like their overall plan for the whole thing. Um, but, um, I think, you know, their first goal at TKO is to make really good comics. Um, and the comics that they're trying to make also are not, you know, I think they're, they, 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 you know, are thinking about a a film future too. You know what I mean? Because the books aren't unfilmable as far as like what the stories are about, you know, they all have like a good basis in, in, you know, drama and reality as far as stories go, you know, you don't have like sort of like really far out weird scenarios and superheroes. And my favorite thing, I think, as far as the publishing end of TKO, besides I love the, the, the production of the books. Um, they look fantastic. Um, and, and the way they treat creators is they're not rushing it. Um, every new publisher that I've ever seen rushes it and tries to put out 50 titles trying to get a movie made and they bankrupt the place their their page rates fall through the floor they can't pay good creators they can't pay creators what they're worth and then they they fall into bad business practices where they're not paying you Mm -hmm. know what i mean which is a lot of companies right now a lot of like the sort of mid-tier lower comics uh companies right now are struggling and you know they're they're pushing you to get on their books but they they pay you know a quarter of what they should be What's the so, problem? Is it is it the fact that there's four Spider-Man comics a week and Batman comics a week, or is it that comics are going more digital? There's a. It's basically everything that you can think of is is a factor, right? So you know, if you, Marvel and DC are run by Warner Brothers and Disney, they have an open checkbook to do whatever they like, so they can put out five Spider-Man titles a month if they feel like it, you know, and it makes it harder for guys at image and other publishing companies that run through diamond to get a foot up. I remember working on Southern cross and then DC all of a sudden started double shipping their titles. And then all of a sudden my sales got cut in half because a comic book store is going to, they have to order double the amount of Batman now out of their budget and they're not going to take a chance on image titles. Right. So they got to do what they got to do. That was, yeah, that was a bummer. You know, I, I'm at the mercy of Marvel and DC, even though I work for Image. And um, that, that was a real bummer. So TKO comes along and they're like, you know, we're not going in Diamond. We're not going to play in a, in a world where another company has control of our success. And um, I, I think that's, that's, you know, baller. <laughs> I think Z's baller. You, you, Z's, you Z's dope. Yeah, you have to be. You gotta. You gotta be a shark, even if you're not as big as the other sharks. You, you have to, and you know, de- deliver good product. But you also can't be a slave to the process, because from what I understand, if Diamond goes down, it's over. Well, I mean, it's just going to change. It's not going to be over. It's going to change. You have, like, look at the amount of movies and television shows that are happening that are comic books. Most of them. Just about everything. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I do, I, I'm in no shortage of having a future. It's just where my books come out may not be at a comic book store through Diamond. And that's a bummer. You know, like, um, it's not, it's a, it's a bummer and it's not a bummer. But, um, you know, these, these are those things where it's like, we're actually seeing a time of change. It's going to happen in the next five years where things are actively changing as far as the, the mode of comics being brought to you, brought to you basically, I think. I, I agree. Um, and I, I think it has a, a, a large majority to, to add to that. The fact that people no longer want to be, are, are getting tired of being pandered to, and they're actually getting the, the guts or the, the desire to get up and go look for something special like TKO and not, not worry about you know 
missing some random issue of Spider-Man or something like that, that what you delivered specifically through specialty things like TKO, it adds, it makes it more special. Like when, like the way it was back when we used to tape trade, like with uh, ECW back in the day, if you couldn't stay up for that and someone else had something else to trade and all of a sudden something new was there and something underground, uh, not really, I don't want to, underground is not really the the full word I would use, but I, I mean, in terms of, it feeling special. And yeah, no, I totally agree. And yeah. I, I think the internet has kind of killed the enjoyment of like going out and looking, mm-hmm. you know, like before my Saturdays consisted of, you know, going out sort of like after, after I would go have brunch and then my day would be comic store, record store, magazine shop, bookstore, um, video store. Right. You know what I mean? And I would, I would, at all those shops, I would hunt for new things. And, um, the stuff you would find would be so fantastic. It might be based on like, you know, an album cover that just looks wild, you know, Mm -hmm. it might be based on something else. And I think people don't know how to look on the internet. And the problem with the internet is, you know, they have algorithms to tell you what to buy instead of you going to a place and making a choice. Um, I think that's a, that's a problem with, with the internet age as far as like commerce go. Um, I enjoyed so much more actually going and looking for stuff. You know, I enjoyed like you ever have that experience where you're at a comic book store and they have the special ones behind the shelf. Right. You know what I mean? That idea like, Oh, I want, I want the the secret stuff you got back there, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing, you know? And it's funny when you talk about wrestling because in wrestling, you know, I still can't get footage from my matches from people because there's still that old mentality that they want to take that stuff and, and turn it into a DVD, (laughs) but it's like, I don't know where all this this footage of my matches goes. It just like evaporates, you know, I don't know what happens to it and it's a bummer, but I think, you know, with TKO sort of like going it on their own and having the funding behind them to, to run the business model that they want, um, they're, they're just rad. They're the AEW of comics, which is super, super cool. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I challenge any comic book retailer, you know, uh, you know, if you like comics, like put, put the diamond previews down for a second. Like, let's look at some other stuff. You know what I mean? You don't have to just like get your diamond catalog and go through it. You know, like let, let try selling some other stuff. Like, if I was a comic book store, I'd be into getting old, crazy, weird stuff and making a wall out of it. You know what I mean? I know like exactly I would, what you mean. I would search out those creakies and eeries. You know, I might have my Batman's and Superman's, but like I would make a conscious effort of putting up underground comics to, to you know, and then that would be like a, a right. You know, it would be like a pride thing for me. You know what I mean? Like exactly. Oh, you like if you you like the you know, um, you like this this cover artist that's on uh, Venom right now. Well, check out you know, check out Jack Davis over here on, on this creepy issue. You know, what do you think about that? Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. Like, it's almost. Um, a, you... I think there's there's room for for there's no history um, being pushed in in this uh, in comics, which bums me out because. I get excited about things because there's a history to it. You know, I want to know the history of, of wrestling. I want to know the history of music. I want to know the history of comics. And there's just, it just, when you go to a store, a lot of times it's ignored. If you're ever in Albuquerque, there's a store called Astro zombies that would be right up your alley. It's half record store, half comic store, but they they sell things in nice bundles. They do specialize in weird random stuff. Like you can they did they have a box like just right next to the cashier's checkout, just filled with old ass uh, garbage pail kid cards for like twenty five cents. Or uh, if you just wandered over and oh look we've got a reissue of a white zombie record and then there's all these punk zines that are there and wrestlers hang out there because that's you know they they get good ideas there and. Um, in terms of what you're saying, those have been some of the best days of my life when I would just go wandering and looking and go to, I would go get like a Bloody Mary and 
fix a hangover, go to uh, Guest Room Records in Norman, and then go over to Speeding Bullet and get my comics, and then go into the city and just find half-price books, and then I'd find things, and then people, where do you, where do you find these things? I look, <laughs> like, I, I, yeah. I actually look, like, how would you even know this existed? Because I was researching it. I stumbled upon it. I was looking for information. I found TKO because I know how to manipulate Instagram. You follow all the cool artists and then see who who they're following too. Add them and then check out their posts because these guys trade art. They well, you, you're one of them. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, totally. Man. Yeah, and and yeah. I saw a post TKO Comics. Like, what the hell is this? TKO Comics, is this wrestling? Like, you know, I'm thinking something because that's one of my favorite things. And the next thing I know, I'm throwing yeah. down $100 for four box sets with no no qualm. Like, I saved up for it. It wasn't like something I had, was like, oh, I guess I can do that. No, I saved up for it. They're special. Uh, same thing for this new wave. But, um, yeah, man. Let's talk about wrestling. Okay, well, yeah. So there's comics. TKO rocks. It's the AEW of comics. Mm-hmm. I dig it. Yeah. And I dig image too. You know what I mean? Like the guys at image is, uh, you know, image rules. Um, they got the best, uh, the best deal and the best game in town as far as like, uh, comics go in that world. So, yeah, there are some really good ones out right now. Like ice cream man is, uh, actually my favorite title at the moment. Um, yeah, yeah, just, just good indie stuff, but it's not really indie, but it's still not, it's still not Mickey mouse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, you want to talk about wrestling? Dude, absolutely. You watch, uh, you watch Full Gear? Oh, I've watched Full Gear like three times already. I've fallen asleep to it <laughs> since uh, since Saturday night. That uh, whew, that uh, Kenny Omega and John Moxley. Um, wow. I don't even know what to think about it. I don't know what to think about it. It's it's it was like it was like the dances with wolves of of death matches. It was like so long. And like it was the longest, it was it was really long, um, but there was just so many moments where I was like, "Oh my god, stop! <laughs> oh my god, it, it, what are you doing?" Like by the time they got to the 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 spider web bed of barbed wire, I was like, "No, no, no come on, come on, yeah, don't don't like like I'm not a deathmatch guy." Okay, like I'll do certain things. I'll do I'll do tables, chairs, chains. You know, I will do things. Um, but like, I'm not a cutter. You know what I mean? And just like watching those guys do that stuff, I was like, oh man, that's hardcore. <laughs> I've been I've been waiting for something like that, but I didn't think we were gonna get a death match like that out of it. And I'm the same way. Yeah, I like priding myself that I'm hardcore. I listen to badass metal and all that other good stuff and read the best horror. Uh, but death matches it, they put me on edge because I know these guys are living, breathing people and their, um, their bump card is getting punched five, six, seven, eight times in one match. And I worry about them. So it's hard for me to enjoy matches like that sometimes because of uh, my knowledge of the, the business and having friends that are wrestlers. It scares me sometimes, honestly. Yeah, I've got a good buddy named Casanova Valentine, who's like the no ring deathmatch guy. He's a good buddy of mine, and like he he's just like always cut up and bloody. And I, I worry about that guy a little bit. I mean, he's a he's a machine, but like at the same time, you know, you just kind of like worry about it, you know. And those guys, I was definitely worried about it. They felt like they were getting a lot of headshots, and like you know, some of that stuff looked a little gnarly. Um, you, you know, guys get like knocked out all the time. Um, you know, we get, get concussions and knocked out all the time. I got a concussion last year doing my own finisher. I threw a guy up for the TKO and his shoulder landed on my head as it hit the, hit the, the mat. And I finished the match and walked out of the ring and just blackness, just like I was in, didn't know where I was, didn't know who I was talking to. I was like, they had to like, kind of like take me in the back and sit me down and you know, it took a bit to like come out of it. You know, these guys are when people say wrestling is fake, they don't know idea what they're talking about. I, I love it when they when they when they say that to me because it just tells me that they're there's someone I don't want to talk to. <laughs> like like it's just I yeah, I, I, I can't I can't communicate yeah. with you. Like I all I think about is comic books, 
wrestling and blondes. So uh, if you're not in that character, <laughs> uh, in, yeah. in 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 those three things, I you know I can be nice to you, but it, what like it's relevatory? It's not real bullshit. You can't fake those hits. You yeah, it's or it you know you guys know who's gonna win when you walk in, depending on the situation. But even then, that's you're, you're putting your bodies out there for an, a true art form. Yep. You would be surprised how, so for, for me, I don't really see much of a difference between wrestling and making comics. It's very similar. And you would be surprised how many comic book guys come up to me and they'll be like, I just don't get it. I don't know why you like that wrestling stuff. Um, it's, it's just like silly and goofy. And I'm like, you draw, like you draw Batman, you draw Batman and you're telling me you don't get wrestling. It's the same thing, dude. It's dudes in tights, like, beating the crap out of people, like, with a storyline. Like, they're the exact same thing, besides one is set in a ring, <laughs> and one is set in Gotham City. It's, it's like, the whole reason the my podcast exists. Why do these things are not, like, it's like finding out that peanut butter goes good with jelly. Like, how did you not know that? Yeah, yeah, no, they're the same thing. It's the exact same thing, and the most hilarious part about comics and wrestling is wrestling is completely built on a structure of the hero's journey. And from that hero's journey, you deviate to, to create an interesting match, right? So, so the structure of a match, you have, you know, you've got your, your, your shine where the hero comes in and looks cool. And then you have your cut off where your bad guy cuts them off. And then you have the heat, Time or, for some or heat the, baby. the problem. Mm-hmm. You know the, the the inciting incident or whatever, where you know the bad guy's sort of like going over on the on the baby, and then you know you have your your comeback and then your 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 finish, which is it's the exact same thing as a story in comics or or film. It's this the same thing. When, so, sorry, when, go ahead. When did you decide to start? Just say screw it. I'm going to be a wrestler. Oof. Um. So when I moved to Montreal, um, there wasn't a lot of uh, wrestling in Toronto that I, I went to, and none of my friends were into it. So uh, if it was, it, it was probably it was happening. I just didn't know where, and it was on the outskirts of the city. It was never downtown Toronto, where I lived. So I never went to wrestling. But when I moved to Montreal, they have like ten feds here, twelve feds here. So it was like I, I started going to one called Battle War, and I went to another one called IWS, which is I'm a part of now. And, uh, you know, I sort of went for four or five years and, you know, I'd just be a wild, crazy drunk fan and, and, you know, going with your friends to an indie wrestling match is some of the most fun, one of the most fun things you can do with your friends. Possibly. You know, you you just sit there and drink beer and yell at wrestlers. And it is hilarious because the whole act of wrestling is responding to those, those people, you know, it's an interactive sport where, you know, when I'm out there working, you know, if some guy's yelling at me with a beer, you know, I can turn around and like, you know, say stuff back to him and like, you know, talk shit to him. It's like, it's so much fun. Or if there's kids, you know, when my character comes out and there's kids, they just go wild. They like run to the front. They all want high fives. They all want to like, you know, you know, hang out and take photos. And it's, it's unbelievably cool. But, um, yeah, so I started going to all these wrestling matches, and then I started doing uh, T-shirts and posters and stuff for the guys. And um, one of the guys that writes all my WWE stuff is a is a guy by name of Andrew Stott, who goes by Superstar Shane Hawk. And Shane Hawk was a Chikara wrestler. Chikara um, rules! Oh my god, I love Chikara. Yeah, he's doing a, a, a Chikara. Um, seminar this weekend with uh with mike quackenbush who i've hung out with and uh, and buddies with who is also a huge comic fan by the way mike quackenbush who runs chikara is a humongous comic fan um so anyway andrew basically said he was starting a school and that i should come and i think i was the you know the second student that he had there was a there's another guy that's a, a big indie guy down here in montreal up here in montreal called uh, uh flying frank milano whose dad was in WWE um, as a bit of a jobber. And um, anyway, so the two of us were in there and then I took six months off to go do uh, some heavy duty comics. And I came back and the school had grown to maybe like, you know, six or seven guys. And then, um, you know, I, I've been going to that, that school ever since it's been four years 
that I've been going to that school. And I think after the first year, I started doing matches, which is rare for a lot of schools. And I mean, I, I they, they were putting me in stuff that they knew I could handle and it would be safe. But um, I think it was my second practice match. Um, it just clicked. Like if you have a, if wrestling is a spectrum where on one half you have sport and the other half you have theater, I'm very good at the theater part of wrestling. It's, uh, it's sort of like my strong suit. I can really like play up a crowd. I can really like, you know, get into a character. Um, I'm just really good at that part. So it's taken a few years for the sport part to catch up, (laughs) but I'm starting to get there. I'm starting to get there big time. So um yeah it was my second practice match everyone in the school was just kind of like blown away by the fact that i could become this character and all the rest of that stuff and i started doing like uh, little mini seminars in our school where it would be like you know me and andrew would talk to all the other students about their characters and basically taking the same ideas as when i designed comic characters but for wrestlers how long have you so. had your character in development was it even before we even started wrestling no not at all uh, my first character idea that I had that never got off the ground was I was going to be a wrestler called your dad who'd <laughs> <laughs> come out like in one of those sort of like, you know, eighties sweaters, like the, like Bill Cosby would wear sort of thing. Like, and, um, you know, like, like dockers and I would just beat the crap out of guys and pretend to be their dad in the ring. Cause I, I'm older than all the other wrestlers, but then from practice, because I was out of shape and overweight from 10 years of making comics, I used to yell and scream all the time when I would have to do stuff. So Andrew actually kind of came up with the animal character. So he just started calling me animal, like in the ring all the time. And I, I went with it from there and came up with Bob anger and, um, which is sort of like my middle name and my last name. Right. So my middle my middle name's Robert. My last name's Belanger. So if you take off the bell and you shorten Robert to Bob, it's still like my name. So it's kind of funny. Um, yeah. So I mean, the character Andrew kind of came up with the name, and we sort of developed the character together. And that was sort of the challenge for me. Like he thought of this cool thing, and I was like, I bet you I can run with this. So that's how the the character um, came about. Kind of like it would, you know, in WWE, they would kind of guide you. So it's like he was looking at the way I wrestled and like helped me come up with a character. One of the reasons why I was so adamant about trying to get you on the podcast is because I have a, a similar wavelength. Um, obviously, you gotta you know stay in your lane, and but you know people come along, and that wavelength kind of clicks. Um, I want to make comics. That's what I'm doing. I've got the podcast going, but on the side here, I've been like helping people design their t-shirts and make the art for, for different, uh, organizations around town. Cause that's what I, I, I want to be backstage at AEW helping them out. I don't want to be a writer. I want to be a producer. I want like, tell me what you got. Okay. That part sucked. Rearrange that to the beginning. And then that's it. You know, just, I want to help them polish things up and help build storylines and then, you know, make comics and on, on the, on the back end And, it's nice to talk to someone that has such a good uh, similar wavelength. I I wouldn't want to wrestle, but you. Oh, uh, well, yeah. I just I I can't help myself now. It's a I love performing so much. It's a <coughs> it's uh, stress relieving for me. It sounds terrible, but like there's no greater stress reliever for me than once a week getting to clothesline someone into the dirt. I bet. <laughs> I bet, it's awesome. I bet. Or my favorite thing is body slamming someone. If I can body slam someone once a week, it it uh, it takes a lot of this the the stress off of um, you know who I am. I guess you know, which is like some sort of throwback alpha Viking kind of guy. It just like helps me be normal. Um, it, it it's really fun. And then you know, like the actual sport where you're in the ring and you're, you're doing this stuff and you know, the organization of the story of the match is all like very exciting for me. And, you know, I'm, I'm growing with that, you know, things are starting to open up. Like once you get to the four or five year mark of being a wrestler, you really start to see how you're performing, how others are performing, where you can improve better. Whereas like, you know, in your first four, three or four years, you're really just trying to like do it. Like I'm trying to do it. Um, but it's a, it's just so much fun. And like, I started a new tag team on Saturday at a, a, a fed here in Montreal called XCW. And, uh, our first, 
our first outing was a gauntlet match against four teams. That's awesome. And I think we were, we were out there for 25 minutes, I think. And I remember after match two, I felt like, oh my God, I'm going to die. But like, I mean, in wrestling, like I work out three times a week. I, I go to boxing once a week and I go to wrestling practice once a week. But it's like being in a real fight. And, you know, you, you've got to really work on not blowing yourself up because you can you can get winded and blow yourself up really quickly if you let it happen. You have to be slow and you have to take breaths and you have to find pauses and you need to set yourself up properly and have good positioning and you know it was it was wild going into all those matches. I know the third match was basically I had been I kicked the crap out of a team in match 2 and then match 3 was me getting my my ass kicked and I think I went into like like three or four big spots and big moves where I was just getting beat up. And I remember thinking, Oh, I'm getting all my wind back. Even though my body is being thrown away around like a, a rag doll into like a crucifix and then like sidewalk slam getting elbowed from the top rope sort of thing. It was like, ah, oh, this is all nice. I get to chill out. <laughs> As I'm getting beat up and selling. It was really funny. Um, but it was great. What are you I have looking? a lot of wrestling coming up. I have one almost every weekend for eight weeks. It's going to be crazy. Oh, that's nice. Getting booked like crazy. Got the comics coming. The uh, yeah. do, What do you want to do with wrestling? Do you want to go – are you all in? I mean, like, would you – if if AW or even Ring of Honor or New Japan came, and would you go? Uh, I would do those three. I would never do WWE. That's something that's um, hard I'm to too, say. I'm too, old. I'm too old for WWE. Um, just the schedule is too much. Um, and I have a, you know, I have like a two year old and a wife and a family and a career mm. and, uh, it would be too much. AEW would be doable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And ring of honor would be doable. Um, I have goals and my goal is like to take, uh, my new tag team animal kingdom. I want the IWS championships and I want them on TV. That's awesome. That's, that's my goal right now. And then after that, I want the IWS championship in singles and then after that i'll quit <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, sure you will yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and believe me those are lofty goals so no, they can happen um, they can happen yeah yeah they can happen but it's it's lofty goals and then after that like i mean i'm already in my 40s like i'm in my early 40s but like you know i probably have like a five ten year window i can probably go till i'm 50 and then uh and then it's kind of like I always think once you're past 50, it starts getting a little pathetic. Um, I don't know, man. Christopher Daniels, isn't he like 52? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I'm just saying it's kind of like that's like the the line there. Like you don't want to be in your 60s wrestling. Um, And then I have, you know, my goals as far as my comics go. And um, I can't really talk about it much. But I got into wrestling to write and draw like the, the best wrestling comic ever um so i mean i've been working on it for three four years um i almost had a deal on it recently um and uh that fell through but that was that was about to be really big but i would have lost all my my back-end stuff which was a bummer so um you know i'm talking to image about it and talking to some other people about it um we'll see what happens but that's my baby. That's like the, the my, my big sort of thing that I want to work on. Um, and uh, that's why I got into wrestling. I wanted It's got its own language. The people have their own language. I wanted to know what it's like, what it felt like. And then I got hooked on it. And the other thing is, is by being a wrestler, you just like get in crazy shape. I think I've lost probably 40 pounds since wow. I started. Yeah. You feel better. Your Your quality of life is probably better. Uh, even just your interaction with other humans is probably better too. Oh yeah, completely. Like once I started working out all the time, I felt absolutely amazing. So yeah, that's sort of, um, you know, I, I love wrestling. It's, it's fantastic. I try not to do anything too dangerous in the ring. Like I don't take pile drivers or anything that I think would break my neck. And I mean, a lot of people might like comment on that, but like, you know, I'm also not trying to go into WWE. I wouldn't want anything to do with the company. I wouldn't want anything to do with, like, it's like a, a guaranteed heartbreak because it's the way it's structured right now. I, I I don't know how it's 
still going on like that. The other day, some guy was like at work was like, I don't like that AEW stuff. Uh, there's no storyline. Of course, there's no storyline yet. They're they're barely a month old, and they're building their stories. And then like, and what are are you loving Bobby Lashley with Lana? The recycled story uh. that the recycled story that they did four years ago with Ziggler, and then what was her name? Summer Ray, Summer Ray. They're doing the same damn thing. Like, well, the I just really like the soap opera of it. Like, did did you forget that there's wrestling happening like that, that's that's my problem with raw right now is when i watch raw i see filler matches with stupid soap opera storylines that aren't well written if they were well written it might be exciting but like they're not connecting the wrestling to the storylines right now there's no connection with them and to say that there's no storylines going on with AEW is just ignorant. Of course there are, and they're amazing. Absolutely, they're like super. They're super amazing. Yeah. I love all the storylines. Yeah. Like there's, you know, and and they leave room for you to get involved in those storylines. You know, if you can't see that there's not a gigantic buildup coming between the elite and the inner circle, you're crazy. Yep. And of course the the inner circle won everything this time. You know, because the the elite need to. Um, they need to you know, prevail. have their comeback. And the other thing is with the elite is they're the guys that started the company. You know, it doesn't make sense for them to come in and be like Hulk Hogan and WCW and just be the best right away. They need to build up the people around them. Mm-hmm. You need to build build up those villains. You need to build up. This is the other thing. Like when you're in wrestling, wrestling other guys, it's like if if you let them, they will just make you look like a pussy. Yep. They have no interest in making the match look fantastic. They have every interest in making themselves look fantastic. And when I work with a guy like that, which happens you know, every other time, it makes you angry that they don't understand the business and that it's a story that you're telling and it's equally my job to make you look awesome as it is myself look awesome. And, and that gets away from people. And I remember even Saturday when I was planning one of my, my matches, I literally at one point had to go to a guy, um, in the hot tag, you have to bump. Otherwise I look like a giant pussy. And then I was like, are you trying to make me look like a giant weak pussy? Is that your goal? Is that what you think the fans want to see? Or do you think they want to see a match that the, the promoter is asking for? The promoter is asking for us to go over on you guys big time after the hot tag. So, yeah, guess what? You have to bump. You have to go down. You have to, like, go with what the promoter says. So, I mean, you have to challenge guys in order to, to tell a good story, which is really exciting, right? Isn't that awesome it's, that I have to, like, fight with a guy? It's amazing. On, like, <laughs> making, a, making a story better. And their first reaction is, oh, he doesn't want me to look cool. You know what I mean? Those That's guys what gotta everyone's go. reaction is. Those, those, <laughs> those guys got to go. Like uh, one of the one of the first guys I met here uh, in Colorado Springs, or actually in Denver, uh, he lost the match. And when I went up to him afterwards, because I had some interviews to do with a couple of the dudes there, I was like, hey, my name's Joshua Michael, and that was an amazing match. Way to shine the guy up. And he kind of looked at me like, how did you know that? Like, like that's he was a, a more veteran guy that was doing – that was doing business with someone in the ring to put someone over, even though he was losing and the, 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 the newer guy was still kind of green. He still shined him up. And the, the respect I was giving him was precisely because of that. He wasn't doing that. Like, Oh, I just got to get my shit in. Like, dude, I hate those guys. Like if you want to get your shit in, do it over there because we're here to do business and build storylines and make the company look good and give the give the people something they can really, you know, go home and be excited about. Not you getting your shit in. I hate that. Pisses me off just thinking about it. <laughs> it's pretty common, dude. Mm-hmm. It's pretty common, but like at the same time, it's like, you know, it's it's sometimes it's just they need to learn. Do you know what I mean? They just need to be. They just need to learn that that's important. Um, sometimes they never do, you know, like sometimes, you know, guys that like have no interest in making you look cool. You know, they all want to be Hulk Hogan and Stone Cold Steve Austin the entire time. And it's like, well, you know, what's Batman compared to the Joker, Riddler and Penguin? The reason Batman is the best character at DC is because he has the best buildup of bad guys to fight. 
and you know and if you're not willing to like build up your your roster and like the guys you're gonna go against then no one cares no one cares at all so you know putting over your your that's why when i look at what kenny and cody and the young bucks are doing to like the new talent at aaw i just i'm like you guys are the best like you guys are the best they rule cody is awesome as hell holy crap cody's awesome i was on a card with him in ottawa at c4 and when he came in in his entrance i swear to god dude it was like jesus walked in he walked in and got on a chair and just everyone's hands were up like he was jesus like trying to reach for him and i was just like smiling from ear to ear up in the balcony i was in my gear still i remember thinking wow that guy is like he he's on another plane of existence when it comes to wrestling like he is so good at what he does and i think the fans are genuinely overcome by him and what those guys have done with aew well it's been a lot of fun watching it and i i want yeah wanted to just keep going uh but it has been i, I know you're you're busy working hard today man and i really appreciate oh, yeah, your time yeah, yeah, totally. um how do we how do our listeners find you online um on instagram and twitter um i'm at uh at andy belanger um that's pretty much where you can find me um the, my instagram is probably the best way to to keep it keep track of me Instagram's amazing for artwork so you know, as far as wrestling and art goes, you can come check me out on that. Um, I'm, I'm currently working on what's going to come out in 2020, and it's going to be crazy. Well, I, I certainly appreciate your time. I really hope everyone uh, gets curious and checks out some TKO comics and looks you up and follows your career because it's going to be interesting following you because you're one of a kind, man. And thanks again for being on the minefields. Well, anytime, man. All right, well, uh, we'll wrap up here, guys. This is Dangerous. Thank you guys so much. This transmission is ending. Over and out.